Please stand and take your Purple Voices Together books, and if you need it, turn to 132. The words will also be up on the screen. 132. Welcome to worship. 
You may be overwhelmed with studies and homework. You may be tired from late nights and early mornings. Each of us is carrying something, something to do, something we're worried about from the past, or something we're thinking about in the future. But for now, you have permission to just set all that aside. For now, you have permission to just be here. Each of you is welcome here. You belong here. We gather today as a campus community to sing and pray and worship and reflect together. So today's chapel is all about love. What is love? We all use this word. We use it often and in many different ways. He loves watching football. They love ice cream. She loves her spouse. I love that song. So what kind of love are we talking about today? Well, one of the ways we walk together as a campus community is by loving each other, loving God, and loving ourselves. So it's easy to love someone who's just like me, and I know it's easy to love myself when I do well, and we can be more sure of our love for God when times are good. But what does it look like to love my neighbor when they have a different belief than I do? Or when my neighbor is hurting or in pain? What does love look like for myself when I don't do well in a game or in a performance or on a test? What does loving God look like when God feels far away or silent? After a time of singing, our speakers today are going to reflect on these questions. So Andrew Hartzler, accounting professor, is going to share about loving God. And then Luke Kreider, professor of religion and sustainability, will share about loving our neighbor. And then Aja Ellington, director of diversity, equity, and inclusion, will talk about what it means to love ourselves. Let's pray. God, you are the source of all love. Our hearts are often divided. We are confused, anxious, and tired. Help us to open our hearts to love. Help us see our neighbor and ourselves as made in your image. Show us your way of peace. Give us your wisdom as we sing, as we listen to scripture, as we hear from those who are sharing, give us something to hold on to today. And God, help us as we are here in this moment to rest in your love, your love for us, which knows no end, so that we can love ourselves and love each other and love you more fully. Amen.
Please stand again. God be the love. If you need the book, it's number 43. Number 43. Together. God be the love to search and keep me. God be the prayer to move my voice. God be the strength to now uphold me. Oh, Christ, surround me. Oh, Christ, surround me. Find to myself the name of holy.
I will be reading from Matthew chapter 22, verses um, 36 to 40. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with, with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hangs all the laws and the prophets. Morning. So my students know I'm a semi-obsessed fist bumper, so I need to cross something off my bucket list, which is like the biggest fist bump I've done so far, which is all of you together at once with me. Are you ready? One, two, three. All right, that was okay. One more time. One, two, three. All right, thank you. That, that gives me the motivation I need. <laughs> so you just heard um, in the verse, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And in order to love God, you first have to, to believe in God, to get to know God, and to see tangible evidence of God in your life. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. One of the, of the many ways I feel loved by God and which causes that reciprocal love, my love for God, is the way in which God carries my burdens. At this stage of the semester, or perhaps at this stage of your life, many of you, including students and faculty and staff, uh, may be carrying heavy burdens. You can probably feel them right now, like weighing on you. I'd like to tell all of you who are students that once college is done, Everything's great, no more burdens, all is good. Uh, that's just not how life works, sorry. Um, life is a mixture of joy and pain, of laughter and weeping, of success and of failure. When I was in college, I had many stressful moments, but I overcame them just like I had everything up to, until that point by just working harder and harder and harder. After college, I went on to work at a CPA firm with lots of other finance people who worked on projects for businesses. About 10 years into that career after college, I was working at a high management level and managing projects for over 120 businesses, which came with a lot of stress, a lot. To overcome the challenges I faced, I worked harder and harder and harder. What I learned is that I am not Superman, Nope. And I was eventually crushed under the weight of those projects, which became an unbearable burden of stress to me, perhaps like the projects you're carrying right now. I reached a point where I was destroyed mentally, emotionally, and physically. My relationships with my wife and my small children at that time were suffering due to my continuous absence from home and the stress that I was under. I had always believed in God and the presence of God in our world, but I misunderstood up until that point what was my role and what was God's role in managing the burdens of this life. 
I thought I was supposed to use the gifts and abilities God gave me and just outwork any problem, since that's what I thought I had done until that point. I learned eventually that God is God and I am not. I was not designed to carry the weight of the world on my shoulders. I'm not God. I was broken and exhausted, and I finally reached out to God for help. I was facing a hard deadline to finish many, many projects for businesses, and I knew from experience it was not possible to complete all those projects by the date they were due. Maybe like it's feeling for you right now, it's not possible to finish the things you have to do by the time they're due. I remember telling God, I am being crushed under the weight of this burden, and I need your help. I need you to carry the weight of this because it is literally killing me. Over the next six weeks, I faithfully showed up at work and worked as hard as I usually did, but I left the uncertainty of how it would all turn out to God. I felt the weight that I had been carrying for years of thinking I needed to be the one to make everything happen lift from my shoulders. I, I literally felt it like rise up off of my shoulders. I then watched as God used other people and unique circumstances to help those projects get completed in six weeks that for years had taken three months to complete, like clockwork, half the time without me doing more. So I encourage you to give up your burdens to God and open up yourselves to the possibility that you are loved by a supernatural creator who has the power to carry your burdens. Watch as God works through others to help you carry those heavy burdens. I would like to, as I close here, help you, have you visualize with me those burdens, those tests and papers and projects and administrative work and whatever else is going on in your life. I'd like for you to picture those like carrying on your shoulders. You can feel them like weighing heavily on you, maybe in your head, it's pulling your head down. And I want you to do this with me. Uh, Take your hands and you feel the weight of it. Maybe it's inside, not on your hands, but visualize it's on your hands. And join with me in like pushing those together like skyward, like push them up, out and away from you. And maybe, just maybe, you will start to feel God helping you carry those burdens. Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I, God, will give you rest. Good morning, everyone. So I'm supposed to talk about what it means to love your neighbor and why it's important as we walk together as a community. Um, but I studied this idea of... Um, loving your neighbor literally for years in graduate school. I once took a seminar where we read 20 different books by 20 famous philosophers and theologians, and every single one of them disagreed with the others about what it means to love your neighbor. So I, when Pastor Jen invited me to do this, I probably should have warned her that I'm slightly uncertain and a little confused about what it means to love your neighbor. Both parts are confusing. What is love? Who is my neighbor? Uh, in the first week of that seminar, we read an old famous philosopher who said that 
The purest form of love is love of the dead. I was like, what? <laughs> the purest form of love is love of the dead. I think the idea was, was supposed to be that love is supposed to be unconditional, no strings attached. So love for the dead was pure because the dead don't love us back. We expect nothing, we get nothing in return. Plus the dead make no demands. So our love is given freely. It starts from our own goodwill, not from another's needs or claims or even their presence. So I'm not sure about any of this. About six weeks ago, my friend Sam died of brain cancer. He was my age. He had a wife and a little baby and a rare genetic condition that he shared with his departed mother and sister. It was a mutation in his DNA that made his cancer inevitable and his death expected. Sam was not a perfect person or a famous philosopher, um, but his life taught me about love. Sam loved his neighbors by listening to us, by making us feel seen, understood, validated. He was not afraid of your pain or embarrassed by your insecurities, and he did not explain them away. He was a listener, and he never insisted that everything was all right. In the months before he died, when the cancer was getting worse and Sam was losing the power of speech, people flocked from all over the country to be listened to one last time. It was something that he could still give. But it was also something that he wanted and needed. It was giving and receiving. For Sam, I think love meant being present to one another. It meant not looking away, it meant holding space and meeting people there in joy and sorrow. I saw love in other ways too, in how Sam and uh, his wife Hillary devoted themselves to sharing joy in the ordinary, everyday things of life, in how two other friends uh, bought a one-way ticket from Oregon to Indiana, dropped everything, moved in with Hillary and Sam to provide around-the-clock care and support. I saw love in the respect they showed for his body. There was love in the community that pitched in, doing what little they could in the ways they knew how with the limited time they had. There was love in the ways that they made time when there was no time. Hillary and Sam showed the rest of us love by telling us openly and clearly what they needed. By asking for help or telling us when to leave them alone. And do we still love him now that he's gone? Of course, and that love is more than a feeling. It's a way of living that honors his life and honors what he wanted for us, which was to connect, to listen, to make space for each other. And anyways, I'm not convinced that that old famous philosopher was right, that the dead don't love us back. So is this love 
Love for the dead, the purest form of love? I don't like that question. I don't want a hierarchy of love. And I don't like the quest for purity. There are many ways to love. Most of them are ordinary things. We love uncertainly. We love imperfectly. We learn from others. We teach them with our own ways of loving, which are just our unique ways of walking with one another, listening, making space, being present in joy and sorrow when things are okay and when they're not. I'm sorry, yeah, hold on. That's okay. Dear Doppelganger. Doppelganger? Me? Yes, you. It's been a long time since we've spoke. You too busy these days. You know, sometimes I feel like you too busy for me, but I could just be overthinking. If I'm being honest, you make me feel like you don't love me. And I don't like that. You shy away from me, even though I only want what's best for you. I really wanted to write you this letter, you know, to check in. So I hope that I'm not coming across rude or you're not taking offense, but that you listen to understand because I'm noticing some things. And I told myself, I need to hold you accountable. I'm not sure what's going on in your life because you won't open up to me. Of all people, you won't open up to me. I wanna take this time to discuss the foundations of self-love. And if any of this resonates with you, any of it, then this letter isn't a waste of either of our time. What is she talking about? I love myself. You see, you have strengths, you have weaknesses. Welcome to being human, you're imperfect. But sometimes you allow your imperfections to weigh so heavy on you to the point where you feel less worthy of love. Why is that? What is she talking about? I love myself. And I'm sure you're probably pausing to ask, what is she talking about? I love myself. I know you love yourself. I know you say you love yourself, but your actions don't really match with what you say. What is she talking about? I'm talking about self-acceptance. I need for you to embrace all of you, acknowledging your strengths and weaknesses without judgment. And then there's self-compassion. I watch how kind you are to your boyfriend, my man, as you say, to your friends. <laughs> I watch how sweet and patient you are to those you work with your friends, your schoolmates, and yet you don't treat yourself with the same kindness and understanding. You give people grace constantly, and yet you can't make any mistakes because you're not worthy of grace and can't mess up. I need you to treat yourself with the same kindness you would offer a friend in challenging times. Mistakes or lessons as you call them are a part of being human. Ooh, and don't get me started on self-care. You don't even take much time to breathe, let alone take a walk, paint a canvas, 
create music, treat yourself to a date or do something that makes you happy. You have all the time to try to conquer the world, yet you're not taking care of yourself. You're not taking care of you. You always say, next weekend, I'm gonna focus on me. The next weekend comes and you end up serving everyone but yourself. If you broke your leg, would you sit around in pain and not go to the hospital to be treated? No, you wouldn't. Your mental health is just as important as your physical health. And I know that you have not been okay. I know this. And yet you do not utilize your resources, nor do you focus on what's best for you. You are not alone, newsflash, but you've instilled within yourself that you have no one. Yet there are several people who love and support you. And if you allow them to, can't nobody read your mind? How you work for your job, how you work hard in school, you should be doing the same thing to work on yourself and your mental wellness. If you're not good for yourself, how can you be good for anyone else? Then that leads me into boundaries. Let me tell you something. If it shifts your spirit or you feel mentally unsafe, remove yourself from the situation. I don't care if it's a business meeting, a class, or anything else. Now, as you continue to support yourself, you'll find that there are ways to get through in managing your anxiety, managing your panic, being able to be in spaces without being affected. But until you master that, you have to protect your mental state. My favorite word is no, 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 nah, uh-uh, nope. Whatever way you want me to say it, baby, I will say it that way. I will not do that. I will not feel bad about it. That is not aligned with my mission or my vision or my values, nor do I need to take on something that does not benefit me. I find you saying yes to things because you don't want to hurt people's feelings or you don't want to let people down, but you're constantly letting you down. Make it make sense. You talk down on yourself. You was walking up the stairs last week and you fell. So you said, man, I'm clumsy. You made a mistake on an assignment and you told yourself, I'm stupid. Why would I do that? Stop. The small ways of talking to yourself starts to instill negative outlooks on yourself, which is why I'm always telling you, speak positivity into yourself. When you do allow me to talk to you, that's what I'm telling you. Talk positive. Instead of saying, I'm clumsy when you fall up the steps, replace it with, man, I'm on a mission. I ain't even see that stuff. If you make a mistake, instead of calling yourself stupid, say, man, I'm human. But, you know, I'm going to prove that. I'm going to prove that next time. I got it. Positive self-talk. I mean, I wrote a lot. <laughs> but it's all things that you needed to read. And next week, I plan to check you, I mean, teach you about mindfulness, gratitude, forgiveness, self-worth, authenticity, as we continue down this path of self-love. It won't happen overnight, but I got you. I love you so much. If you don't hear these words from anyone else, just know that I love you. You are worthy. You are capable. You are safe. I believe in you. I am you. Sincerely, me. I'm sorry, y'all. Um, well, I guess y'all heard the same thing I heard about the foundations of self-love. Um, it's funny how I ended up being on the video with y'all when this 
letter from me to me came to myself. Love yourself. And if you're not quite sure how to do that, you got support. Thank you for having me. We're gonna have a closing song. May you be rooted and grounded in love. Number 396, number 396. Let's stand to sing this together. in love, strengthened in the spirit through faith, to know the height and depth and length and breadth of God's understanding and grace. Go in love. <laughs>